All right, well, welcome back to the most interrupted series ever. And so if you've been with us at all, you know, hey, we've already interrupted this twice. And hey, why change a good thing? And so next week, we're going to interrupt this series one final time. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that right at the very end. We are looking at this idea of 2020 vision. We're looking at this idea of, of what if we could see so clearly what it was that, that our life should be about, that, that we could set this finish line and that we would work at staying on course, staying on the path and getting to this place that is absolutely worth finishing our life with. This, this idea of setting a finish line. And that we would set a finish line that's not going to take just a couple of months or just maybe even a year to get there. We're, we're going to go, what would be a finish line that would be so worthy of us trying to get to that we would be willing to, to spend not just a year, but maybe a couple of years, maybe even longer to be able to get to this place? That we would set this. It would be a place that's going to require our best. It's going to require us staying on track and staying on course to be able to get there. So we've started breaking it down and going, okay, so what are the ways that, that we end up doing this? That, that we have to always hustle. That, that we have to be people that we're just going and going and going. We've got this drive. We're just hustle, hustle, hustle to get there. That we looked at this idea of the value of humility and how humility helps us to get there. And here's, here's the caveat. Here's the, here's the warning, if you will. That if you take any one of these messages and just kind of pull it out and say, hey, that's just the only piece I'm going to work on, you're going to miss out on this holistic approach that's going to be required of us in order for us to get to this finish line and get there well. That I don't, I don't want you going, hey, I tuned in on your hustle talk, and yeah, that, that, that's all I needed to hear, and that, that's it, and I just want to do the hustle thing. Because if you hustle at the expense of humility, if you hustle at the expense of being hungry, then you might end up hustling for something that you really shouldn't be hustling for. And so you've got to look at this and you go, oh, I love that humility, the value of humility, and I'm just going to stay humble. And, and so really, if I just stay humble, then really maybe I shouldn't be chasing that much and I should just be content. And you can't look at any one of these individually. You've got to bring all of them together. And so today, we're going to look at this idea that we would stay hungry. That, that when it comes to this finish line, when we go, hey, that's that place. You know, we've got our finish line right here. But when we go, hey, we're going to set this finish line out here, that, that we would stay hungry to get there. I think that there's something that we all have in common. You, you could be here today, and, and you don't even know what you believe about Jesus or God or Christianity, and you're just kind of on an exploratory mission, or maybe somebody drug you here, and you're just here by force. And, but here's one thing that we all have in common. We all want success. Every single one of us. We, we might define where we want to be successful differently from somebody else, but we all want success. In fact, I, I'm going to tell you about six pairs, six groupings of areas when you look at our lives, that, that when you look at them, these are these six pairings that pretty much just encompasses our whole entire life. And these aren't going to pop up for you to be able to write down. And so I'm going to go a little slowly because I think some of you guys are going to want to take these down and capture these and reflect back on it. And here's what I'm going to tell you in advance to try to encourage you to take note of this. We will end up doing really well at one, two, maybe even three of these areas in our life. And those are, you're, you're going to hear these, and you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm spot on. And, oh, yeah, keep going, okay? And then there's going to be some areas that we're not doing so well at. And in order for us to do so strongly in one, we end up having to neglect something else. 
And so let's look at this and go, okay, holistically, kind of where am I at? And, and really, am I having my focus in, in the right proportions to make sure that I've got this covered and I'm doing a good job across the board? So here they are, these six focus areas. They're, they're, they're going to come in pairs. So the first one is, you know, this first pair is just one line, okay? But, but we look at, in, in our lives, we go, okay, it's our home life and relationships. That's our first pair. That's, that's one of these areas that we go, hey, that's where I'm going to focus on. I want to make sure that I've got a, a great home life. I want to make sure I've got great relationships with some other people. And, and we do. We, we focus there. Here, here's, the, here's the next pair. Career and finance. That, that we look at our careers and what we do with it or how much effort and energy we put toward it, where, where we start moving along, how it is that, that we manage the finances. But that's that second pairing. The third thing for us would be education and personal development. That maybe you go, hey, I've already finished that formal side of my education, and so I'm not pursuing formal education anymore. But there's still that side of personal development and continuing to grow. And what are you doing to be able to keep growing as an individual? You got recreational and social. What are these things that when it comes to my life that I go, hey, I want to have some hobbies. I want to be recreational, and and I want to have some some just social interactions. And, And so that's one of those focus areas for us. That's the fourth one. The fifth one is our mental and spiritual well-being. That our mental and our spiritual well-being of how we do and what we focus to make sure that that's where we would want that to be in our lives. And, and then that last one is health and fitness. Health and fitness. And so when we look at these we, we, we can all just start to look at these and go, okay, I'm pretty successful in we, we can pick the ones we're successful because that's the ones we focus on the most. And maybe you focus on one because you go, hey, that's the one that I just kind of naturally started getting traction, easy traction in. So yeah, I just want to stick where I was going to be successful. Maybe some of you go, no, there's no natural traction at all. I, I have worked very hard for that one to be successful and have focus there. And you're right. But what of these is being neglected? What of these, when, when you look at this and you go, hey, I'm, I'm not as hungry for that in my life as I am for these others where I'm finding success. And that we've got to be willing to stay hungry. And when we look at our lives, that we would take this holistic approach at who we are as individuals so that we could be our best self and, and be the best me that God has created me to be. And so we've got to look at this and go, hey, how can I be the most successful me? Researchers started looking and going, what is it that causes people to be successful? That they, they wanted to look and go, they wanted to boil it all down. What is the common thread? What's the common ingredient? What is it that we find in successful people? What is it that is there? And as they started looking and researching this, that they were surprised at what wasn't a common thread. That, that your athletic ability... That wasn't part of, of the common thread. That, that your IQ or your natural intelligence, it, it wasn't part of the thread. Your talent level, that wasn't part of the, that, that, that wasn't common across the board. And, and who did they look at? They, they were looking at West Point graduates. They, they were looking at students that were in national spelling bees. They were looking at people that were in high pressure sales jobs and they were looking at these people and trying to figure out what is this common thread? What is this thing that all of them end up having success? The other thing that they threw in was they said, hey, we want to make sure that they're successful in the most difficult of times. 
whether it's tragic, whether it's a hardship, but we want to make sure that that is in the mix when we're looking at who is it that is successful. And so Dr. Angela Duckworth, and she is from the University of Pennsylvania, she led this research. And as she led this research to try to discover, hey, what's the commonalities among these successful people when they are in extreme difficulties? And this is what she found. She discovered that it is passion, perseverance, and stamina. Those were the three things. That it is passion, persistence, and stamina were the three things that was common among all of these people. She had a word for it. She called it grit. It's grit. And, and, and what is it that allows people to be, they, they, they are gritty. That they're gritty people. They've got this grit and grit causes them to stay hungry for the things that they are chasing. Everybody remember this? You know, the Aesop's fable, the, the story of the, the tortoise and the hare. How many, how many of you guys remember hearing this as a kid? Yeah, the, 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 we heard this as a kid. And, and as we heard it as a kid, when, when, when you very first hear this thing and you hear that there's going to be a race between a hare, this rabbit, and a tortoise, a turtle. When you first hear this, you're like going, uh, I know who's going to win. And you're thinking, uh, really, why, why is the tortoise entering the race? Why, why, why bother? Why, why get humiliated? Because, because we think like this. But, but, but what ends up happening, here's spoiler alert, just in case there's anybody. The tortoise wins. The tortoise wins. And it has everything to do with this idea of grit. It has everything to do with this idea of hunger. Because the tortoise stayed hungry to reach the finish line all the way through the race. The tortoise at first didn't want to enter the race. He got challenged by the hare. No, no, no. And he got peers around. Come on, you can do it. You, you, you should do it. And he ends up entering the race. And the hare is like, this is so easy. I don't even have to really think about it. I, I don't have to concentrate. There's so many different ways that I could win this race. And once race day comes, the hare gets so distracted and so playful with it and goes off course, goes and takes a nap, and just doesn't stay true to the focus of what was needed to be able to reach the finish line. And, and right as the, the tortoise is getting there to the finish line, somebody tells the hare, hey, isn't that the tortoise about to cross the finish line? And, and, and so the hare begins to, to race as fast as he can. And he even starts yelling at the tortoise, hey, slow down, slow down. Because he wanted to win, but he didn't stay hungry. That winning just needed to be this thing that was just going to happen casually. But it didn't. And he lost because he lost his hunger. So gritty people are hungry people. They're, they're tortoise-like. They're, they're, they're tortoise-like in, in their perseverance. They're tortoise-like in their passion. That they, they see the course and they just steady as they go. They just keep working steady as they go to reach that finish line. And they do this in spite of failure. They do it in spite of adversity. They do it in spite of feeling like they hit a plateau. They just stay the course and keep making forward progress. Even when there's times that it just doesn't feel like progress is being made. 
But on the other hand, the non-gritty or the, the non-hungry, they're, they're hair-like, this, this rabbit-like. And, and they, they are the ones that they get, they get more easily discouraged, more easily distracted. They're the ones that, that they're more likely to take a, a nap mid-course. And, and they're just like going, ah, I'm just going to take a break from it. And they don't end up finishing that finish line. They don't reach it the way that they either could have or maybe never. And they can look back at their lives and go, man, I, I set that finish line, but I just kept getting off course. And so if we're going to reach our finish line, not only do we have to always hustle. Not only do we have to understand the value of humility and make sure that's part of the equation for us, that we have to stay hungry. I'm going to share with you, we're going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to be in a book called Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14, the two chapters we're going to be in today. And we're going to be looking at some guys that stayed hungry for, for a vision that God had given them. And we're also going to see some people that they lost the hunger for the vision that God had given for them. And what ends up taking place, the dynamic, and, and this is a true story. This is an actual event that, that, that took place that we get to see right inside of our Bible. So this kind of picks up from where we were a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Moses and Moses leading these people. He, left, he led them out of Egypt. They were slaves there for 400 years, set them free from that captivity. And, and, and now he's working with them and moving toward the promised land. And because God had promised, I have a land and, and it's a great land. It's a man, land flowing with milk and honey. It's the best land and I want my people to have this best land. And they'd heard this for years. And now he's going, okay, it's time for me to send you to that land. So when you get to the very beginning of Numbers 13, that you've got Moses, he's given these 12 guys this instruction, and he says, hey, there's 12 tribes in Israel, so we want you to take a person from each tribe, and I want you to go into the land, this land that's flowing, this land of Canaan, flowing with milk and honey. I want you to go in there. You're going to stay there for 40 days, and you're going to check it out, and you're going to come, and you're going to bring a report back. And he gave them some very specific things that he wanted them to report on that he wanted them to report on, that what, what is the land like? Is, is it a place that, is it, is it fortified, or are they kind of like open cities? You know, what, what is that land like? What, what are the people like? Are, are there many people, or are there few people? Are they strong people, or are they weak people? What is it that these people are like? Well, what's the land like? Is it a good land? Is it fertile land, or is it poor soil? What kind of land is this? Find out whether the people living there, whether they're strong or whether they're weak, I want you to come back and tell us this so that we know what is going on in this land that we have been promised by God that is going to be our land. Before they come back, one of the things that we could read about in this chapter is we could read about how, how these trees, that they were huge. One of the things he said to report on, report on the trees. What's the trees like? And so they went to a tree and they're just, just so amazed. They went to a, a grape cluster, and they cut off this grape cluster, and it was so big, the fruit was so heavy and massive that it took two of them to carry this one cluster back as they would come and give this report. So we'll pick this up in verse 25. 
It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. And so as they're hearing this report, it's like, oh, this is a dreamland. This, this land, and this is what they're hearing. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns, they're large and they're fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live there, live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. They live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. They, they spent 40 days there and they figured out where is everybody. And they know this lay of this land. And with this and what they started hearing... This was what started bringing the murmurings. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it, we, we should go into that, that land. That, the giant, giant, giants there and fortified walls and a lot of people. and They're, they're kind of spread out. And now the people are like going, I, I, yeah, we don't know. Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Hey, let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. What was the difference between Caleb and all these others? Well, first of all, there, there were 12 guys that went. Caleb, there's one other guy that was with Caleb on this that says, hey, this is, this is a land that God's going to give us. Let's take it. His name's Joshua. It's Joshua and Caleb. And then you have the other 10. Nobody remembers those guys' names. Because they, they didn't want to do it. They, and, and, and they're like, going, no, no, we, 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 we can't take this. But Caleb and Joshua, they, they were younger than the other 10. You had the 10 that they were older and wiser, and, and then you have Joshua and Caleb, and, and there they are, and they're just going, hey, we just trust God. God told us we're going to get this land. We can take this land. He's showing it to us. Man, this is a land worth having. Let's go. Let's rise up. Let's go. Let's go take this land is where Caleb is at. Verse 31, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than what we are. So they, those 10 guys, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour everyone who goes to live there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And that's what they just started telling and spreading. And then we get to 14. It goes right from there to chapter 14. And right at 14, you start seeing that the people, they just instantly start weeping and crying. And they're sad and they're nervous. They're afraid that Moses is going to say, okay, let's go. Because they're convinced we can't take them. We're going to die if we go and try to take this land. And they cried all night. They even started saying things like, if only we had died in Egypt. That, that would have been better. It would have been better for us to just stay there and die there than to come out to this wilderness and have to die here. Well, they said, why is the Lord taking us into this country when we could have just stayed 
in Egypt. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And then they started talking and started talking about, we need to find a new leader. We need to find a new leader and a leader that will take us back to Egypt. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down to the ground before the whole community of Israel. The two, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. It was, a, it was a sign of humility before God. It was an apology. And God, how dare we? We're so sorry. They just ripped their, their clothing. They bowed before God. They were humble, but yet they were still hungry to be able to get what God had promised them. Verse 7. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. They're, they're trying to reason with them and share with them. Listen, this is a wonderful, well, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the best land that there is. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of that land. They're going, hey, if we're going to be afraid, be afraid of God and, and not following him. But don't rebel against him. And then he said, they are only helpless prey to us. Years ago, I took some teenagers from the youth group and I took them on a ski trip, a snow ski trip in Colorado. And we went on that trip, and it was a great trip. We had a fun time, but we had a lot of teenagers that had never skied before that went on that trip with us. There was one teenager, he was a football player, a big guy. His name was Chase. And his mom joined us on that trip as well, and, and he wasn't doing too well on the slopes, and he didn't have much confidence. And he had gotten on that lift, and he had gotten to the top of the hill, and he was just been standing there. Well, his mom came over to him. And said, Chase, what, what are you doing? Let's go. He goes, I, 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 can't, I can't go down there, Mom. Goes, sure you can. I've seen, you're you're going to be fine. Let, let's go. And said, Mom, Mom, don't make me go. And, 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 and Mom's pretty insistent. You know, she paid good money for him to be there, right? <laughs> you're going to go. And he finally, he looked at his mom and he said, you see all those people? And he's pointing down the slope and all the people skiing. You see all those people, Mom? Those are just innocent victims. <laughs> because, because he's just as convinced, I'm going to go, to, I'm going to lose control, I'm going to take out so many people. They're just all innocent victims. Well, listen, Caleb's, he's, he's talking and he's more on this offensive side and knowing that we need to be trusting God. And he says, they are only helpless prey to us. Those people, when, when we go with God, God's going to give us, to give us victory. He's going to be with us. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. You have to think about this. That God's been promising them to give them the best land on the planet. 
It's the promised land, and you're going to get the best land. This land flowing with milk and honey. Who do you think would be occupying that land? Is it, is it going to be that, hey, here's these little peons of people, and they just kind of have it, and nobody's ever come along and tried to take it from them? It's going to be the strongest people that could come in and control this land. And they should not be surprised that that's what they would be up against. And so you got Joshua and Caleb. You had Moses and Aaron. And, and these guys, they're all going, we, we believe it. And we're still hungry for this thing that God has promised us. And we want to go take this. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long must I put up with, these, with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Because he's God. He can, he can be done with anybody whenever he wants. He's just saying, how long do I have to put up with this? He says, yes, I have heard the complaints that the Israelites are making against me. Why did God bring us out of here? Why did God take us out of Egypt? Why did God bring us here to die? He's heard all of these complaints against him. Verse 28, now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things that I have heard you say. That is a warning. That that if we're going to be people and we're going to be complaining about what God's doing to us and and what we're having to go through and how it would be better, that is not a good thing. And we don't ever want to get to a place where, where we're just complaining against God and God would say, I'm just going to do to you the very things that you've been complaining about that would happen. But this is what God says. And, and then he brings all this clarity to it. He just doesn't leave it at that. Verse 29, you will all drop dead in this wilderness. That they had lost their hunger for this vision that God had given them. Because you complained against me, every one of you who was 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. That we're just going to stay out here and hang out here. And some of you guys might know that, that they got stuck in the wilderness and they wandered in the wilderness and, because God was just killing them all off slowly. Because they did not trust him and they weren't hungry for the vision that he had given them. And they didn't occupy what he wanted to bless them with. When you aren't hungry for the things God's prepared to give, then you will hunger for the things that God wants to keep you from. Think about that. That, that, That when you aren't hungry, for the things that God has prepared to give you. Here, here you go. This is what I want to bless you with. When you aren't hungry for those things, then you will hunger for the things that he wants to keep you from. This is where we get so tripped up with sin. When we stop hungering the things that God wants for us, we will begin to hunger other things. And chase other things. The very things that God is trying to protect us from. So when we talk about stay hungry. You got to stay hungry. For the worthy finish line. 
You've got to stay hungry for the finish line that God is laying out there and, and, and showing you and giving you a vision for your life of what it is that you should be doing. And, and there's going to be many things that it's a, it's a general vision. It's, it, it's this sense of, hey, biblically God's covered and talked about these different areas. And so that's not unique to any individual. And, and that's out there for us for a bit. And then there's going to be some specific pieces for us that God's going to put on our hearts that we would move toward. Verse 30. You will not enter and occupy the land that I swore to give you. I was talking to all these older people that, that are there. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. That's it. It's the only exception. And then all the young generation that's going to come up behind them, they will get this land. See, they were hungry. Hungry for this vision of what God had showed them he had in store for them. And, and the hungry people, they just don't see problems. They solve the problems. Because they stay hungry. They're, they're too hungry to go without a solution. That's why we got to stay hungry. I want to share with you hunger's greatest friends. There's just, just four of them. Hunger's greatest friends. Faith. Faith is one of hunger's greatest friends. And that, that we would have faith in God. And that we would have a, a hunger that's based on our, our faith and following him. Another, another great friend is initiative. That, that, that we would have this initiative, that, that we would have this drive that, that would keep moving us toward this vision and this finish line that's been established for us. A third best friend of hunger is determination. That we would be determined, and, and maybe there's even a, a closing window, that's getting some, but we're determined that we're going to get through that before it shuts off. Because we stay hungry, and, and we are determined, and if that window closes, we start looking for another opening. And the fourth best friend is focus. That we would have Focus. That, that, that we would get these blinders on so that we can stay focused, so we can begin to have some, some tunnel vision for this finish line that is absolutely worth giving it our all and giving it our best in order to get there. Grit, it maintains perseverance and passion to achieve these long-term Goals. It maintains when there's a stamina that stays with us. We're going, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And that grit does this because grit has an unstoppable spirit. That it's just going to keep on keeping on. And we've got to learn this from grit. That, that grit, it generates an unyielding courage in the face of difficulties. That it's unyielding, it's this courage, it doesn't back back down, it doesn't back off. It's like, no, that's where I'm headed, that's where I'm going, I'm going to. It is an unyielding 
courage. And yes, grit, it, it has this unstoppable spirit, but guess what else it has? It has an unbreakable spirit. And that's why it's an unyielding courage. That, that we need to understand this. And listen, we're all, we're all going to face challenges. There, 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 there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles that come in the path when we are moving toward this finish line. That there's going to be these challenges that, that we didn't invite in, but they came on our path. And they're going to feel like giants at times. Because some of these challenges, they're, they're going to be disappointment. It's going to be feeling failure. It might be sickness that comes along, setback or, or difficulties. These, these challenges that come on our path. And challenges force us to choose grit or choose to quit. That's what challenges do. They, they, they force us to make a choice. Here's the challenge. Are we going to choose grit or are we going to choose to quit? Because hunger shouldn't keep you from your dreams. It should drive you to achieve them. That, that we would stay hungry. We, we don't choose our challenges, but see, we choose our responses. And somebody once said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. And, and we need to make sure that we understand that balance. It's just 10% is what happens to you. It's about 90% is how you respond. See, challenges? Challenges are just a cultivating ground. That's all they are. It, it's a cultivating ground for us. That, that we've got to stay hungry. That we've got to be gritty in order for us to achieve this finish line, to reach it. A God-given finish line. And we need to chase every God-honoring vision that he gives us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us all to, to, to have a hunger for you. To have a hunger for the life that, that you've created us for. God, that we would have a, a vision for our life that is so big that it is a God-sized vision that you plant in our hearts and in our minds. And that that's what we would be hungry for. That, that, that we would not stop hungering that. Because it would cause us to hunger things that, that you want to keep us from. God, challenges are going to come. And I pray that, that we could see it as just a cultivating ground. That we would be willing to be on that 90% of how we respond. And we would be excited about the way that we would respond. So that we can achieve and become and do the purpose for which you put us on this planet. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.